It's week three of the 1997 Michigan Wolverine season, and a familiar foe comes to Ann Arbor. This week's opponent is a most cherished rival, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Michigan, Notre Dame. These two names are the perfect college football pairing for so many reasons. Welcome to episode four of Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. I'm your host, Andrew Hammond, assistant sports editor at the Detroit Free Press. On this journey, we will take you game by game, week by week, to give you the inside look at how the 1997 Michigan Wolverines captured their share of a national title. This week, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish make their way to Michigan Stadium, but not how typical Notre Dame teams would enter the big house. The Fighting Irish enter this game 1-2 and two after back-to-back -back losses against rivals Purdue and Michigan State. Things under first-year head coach Bob Davey are off to a rocky start. As for the Wolverines, after convincing back-to-back -back victories over Colorado and Baylor, does Game 3 present the same story? Speaking of stories, if you want the complete story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines, the Free Press is publishing a commemorative book, Hail Yes! The story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines can be purchased at um.pictorial.mybook.com. Entering 1997, the two schools were the most winningest programs in the history of college football. Though their rivalry dates back to 1887, the Wolverines and Irish have only played 26 times entering 1997. It's the iconic pairing of two brands matched with a contentious beef that has lasted for generations. Perhaps the two greatest coaches in the early 20th century, Michigan's Fielding Yost and Notre Dame's Newt Rockney, did not get along at all. So much so that following a 1909 loss to Notre Dame, Yost kept Notre Dame off the schedule for the rest of his coaching tenure. That was until 1941. The two teams played in 42 and 43, but then they didn't meet again until 1978. In fact, Notre Dame's greatest stretch of history, which made it a national brand in the post-World War I years, was born out of being denied admission into the Big Ten. As a result, they became the brand in college football just 178 miles away from Michigan's campus in Ann Arbor. Coming up next, we will take a deep dive into the game with this week's guest, Gene Myers, the former sports editor at the Detroit Free Press. You're listening to Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. We are back with Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. Our guest is Gene Myers, former sports editor at the Free Press. Now, Gene, we've talked about the rivalry and, 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 the, and the background of it, but from your eyes, how did you view this rivalry entering 1997 and all time? That's really interesting because, you know, they went from, what, the 
really a, a, a huge time, <laughs> years and decades without playing until they renewed uh, hostilities in the late 70s. And when that happened, that was a huge deal. And then they basically played every year for a while until they stopped again because uh, I don't think the schools really appreciate how much everyone values that rivalry. You know, they were really big rivals for decades where they never played each other. Uh, and just the schools being so close, being so close in total victories and history, all their, you know, lore and legacy and, oh, Fielding Yost was at Michigan. Oh, Notre Dame had Rockney and Leahy and all these other people. So they were big rivals who never played, which was interesting. And when they started playing again, these were huge games. And for a long time, they started as the first game of the season. And a lot of great moments came about, like Rocket Ishmael returning two kickoffs for touchdowns at the big house, where uh, Bo just refused. He basically said, we're Michigan. We're not afraid to kick to anyone. And after the second time, and everyone's like, well, he should have been afraid to kick to him. Uh, but they had some great games. There was a lot of, you know, hype leading into the games. They were always highly ranked. And at this time, you know, it was a big rivalry. And in a lot of ways, you know, Michigan's main rival is Ohio State. At the time, Michigan State is, the, is a rival, but not a rival that they really would lose to, but like once or twice a decade. So that was, oh, they're our rival, but we're going to beat them. And Notre Dame, though, that was a real rivalry that you didn't know who was going to win. And in this game, they went into it. Notre Dame had lost two straight games. Was it to Michigan State and Purdue? And they were one and two under their new coach. And I know uh, Michigan fans thought, this could be our chance to just really kick them. And they were still a big rivalry. And for Notre Dame, it was like, hey, we can save our season. And Michigan is like, we can make a statement. This is going to be fun. And it was a lot of hype, a lot of expectation. And uh, what turned out to be a, a really amazing game in the rivalry. We've mentioned this in previous episodes, but well into the first half, Michigan's defense had been very stout. It had not allowed a touchdown in the first quarter all season long, a stat that goes back to 1995. Well, wouldn't you know, Notre Dame would get on the board first with a touchdown in the first quarter. Michigan would return the favor, tying the game on a Clarence Williams touchdown, but right before halftime, Michigan faces their first dose of adversity all season long. Notre Dame gets a touchdown with 18 seconds left in the half. All of a sudden, Michigan is down 14-7. And, Gene, I'm wondering, at that point, what is being said in the locker room? Because this is a team that's blown out Colorado. They've blown out Baylor. Now, all of a sudden, they're dealing with adversity for the first time all season against a rifle hungry for a victory. Well, it's very interesting. And I was in the stands for that game. And, you know, the level of festiveness before the game is fans just expecting, you know, we're going to kick them. And as the game unfolded, people realized, okay, we're playing Notre Dame. It's going to be a close game. This is going to be tight. And right before the half, Notre Dame went on a 98-yard drive 
to score with 18 seconds left to take a 14-7 lead. And people in the stands were shocked. It's like, what about our great defense? This is, oh my gosh. And you have to remember back to the time that, not that this team wins a national championship, but they're coming off their four straight, four loss season. And it's like, okay, this could be the moment where they fade. Like this could be really bad. And it's interesting. I went back and looked at what players in Carr said at the time. And actually Carr was very honest about what happened at halftime, which was kind of unusual for any football coach, but especially a coach at Michigan a lot of times. So one of his quotes, he said, after that drive, that was demoralizing. He said, that drive was demoralizing. And uh, strong safety, Marcus Ray, his comment was, that was a wake-up call. But in the locker room, so they're down 14-7, first deficit. They're in some trouble. This is what Carr said. We came in there in the half, and we're down 14-7. And there was a lot of doubt, I think, for a few moments. First of all, you never hear a coach talk about his team having doubt. But there was a lot of doubt. He actually said that. We've talked all fall that the mark of an outstanding football team is a team that is going to get down 14-0 or they're going to be down at the half or they're going to be down with a few minutes to go and whatever it takes to win That's what you have to be prepared to do. And here is Michigan in this situation. And it's like, what's going to happen? And in some ways, so many big things happened the rest of the season. But they came out of that half and things happened the right way. If they hadn't, who knows what would have happened with the season. But as it turned out, they came out of the half and for the first time, it fell on Brian Greasy and the offense to do something, and they did. They had three, two quick scores, took the lead. And then, so f- for the first time when needed, the offense stepped up. And then, as I'm sure we'll talk more, in the fourth quarter, the offense totally imploded. And for the first time, the defense had to step up and save the game. So in the, in the half to come, the team pulled together, rallied. Offense did its job then fell apart. Defense did a better job. And afterwards it was like, Hey, maybe this is different. And when they, in two weeks, they would be in a far worse position at halftime and the offense came back again. And at the end, the defense did the job. So in a lot of ways you could say this was a harbinger of what was to come and how strong this team was. But again, Lloyd Carr said there were a lot of doubt and I'm sure He probably had doubt. His coaches had doubts. The trainers had doubts. The student managers. I guarantee you fans did too. We now begin the second half of Michigan's battle with Notre Dame. The Wolverines are down 14-7, but work quickly to tie the ball game. Only taking two plays for Brian Greasy to connect with Ty Streets for a 41-yard touchdown. Here's the call of that score from Dan Dickerson of WJR and the Michigan Radio Network. Once again, it's Anthony Thomas split wide out, this time wide left. Greasy back to throw, throwing right side for Streets. Good catch at the 30, 25, 20, angling toward the end zone. Touchdown, Michigan! 43-yard touchdown! 
touchdown pass from Tracy to Streets. And Michigan now an extra point away from tying this game 24 seconds into the second half. Michigan would go on to score another touchdown, a 14-yard scamper from Chris Floyd to make the score 21-14 Michigan. However, it is the fourth quarter that tells the story of this game. Gene, you were in the crowd at Michigan Stadium that day. It feels like we're setting up for another classic between Michigan and Notre Dame. At that point, entering the fourth quarter... Is that where you thought things were headed? You know, I think the mood in the stadium is once Michigan took the lead and those, the quick strike touchdown to Streets was kind of amazing because I, I went and looked up like what was written at the time. And like Michigan came out in the second half, instead of using two tight ends, they went with three wide receivers. And I bet Notre Dame was probably – just stupefied like what this is Michigan and they they score on a long pass and then they come right back and take the lead I think everyone's thinking like okay you know the defense is playing well we're okay and then we came to the fourth quarter and everyone's feeling good Michigan was driving as the fourth quarter started they had reached Notre Dame territory and I think everyone's like okay we go in now we're up 28 14 it's it's done and what happens? Michigan fumbles. The first of three fumbles on three straight possessions, all basically on uh, the, the wrong side of midfield. And each time that happened, you know, everyone just got more nervous, like, oh, my gosh, we, we survived the first one. Oh, my gosh, we survived the second one. Here comes the third one, which is the one everyone remembers from the game with the great fourth court, fourth down stop. And you just, it's like, how can this keep going? And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of people were really nervous, uh, but it was exciting and fun. And uh, if you were in that stadium, uh, you certainly remember that game because I know on the fourth down stop, a lot of people said the stadium had never been louder and it was incredible. It had appeared that Notre Dame's chances of tying the game were certain. That was until Tommy Hendricks intercepts Ron Paulus in the end zone. For the call of that interception, here's Dan Dickerson and Jim Brandstatter of WJR and the Michigan Radio Network. Two wideouts, put backs in the backfield. Third and goal from the Michigan nine-yard line. Brown now in motion left. Paulus back to throw, this time under pressure, steps up, he's got running room right, he's now looking into the end zone, throws this one, is incomplete, Michigan holds on. No, it's intercepted, intercepted. Intercepted, Michigan, they get the ball back and kill the Notre Dame drive. That ball was thrown so low, I didn't think anybody had a chance to pick it off, it was, I didn't see who it was who had the ball. Marcus Ray, I think, or Tommy Hendricks. Tommy, Tommy Hendricks with the pickoff, his second interception you know, of the year. But you Michigan know how, takes over at their own 20. You know how big that is from a standpoint. Paulus, when he got out of there, could have run the ball. And it looked like he had the opportunity to get in. He didn't. Instead, he threw, and it cost Notre Dame three points on a field goal try. Michigan's offense stalled, ending with multiple fumbles, giving Notre Dame chance after chance after chance to tie the ball game and go into overtime. Each time, Michigan's defense answered the call. 
with under four minutes left, with the game on the line, Michigan stops Irish running back Autry Denson on fourth down, giving the Wolverines just enough time to run out the clock, collecting a 21-14 victory. Michigan is now 3-0 on the season. They have passed their toughest test to date. Gene, at that point, did you become a believer in this team? You know, I think a lot of people were impressed that they did face adversity and it was like they didn't fold, which is what had happened for four straight seasons with the four lost seasons. It's like more and more, maybe this could be different. There were still things that you might say would be a red flag, such as the three straight fumbles in the fourth quarter. Actually, the odd part about that is Michigan fumbled three times in eight snaps, which when you think about it, that never happens to any team, let alone a team that's ranked, you know, in the top 10 in the country and a Michigan team. Uh, So that was kind of worrisome, but then the defense stepped up and after, you know, week one, week two, and now again on week three, everyone was talking how great the defense is. And, you know, from history, when Michigan has a great defense, they're usually going to have a very, very good team. So I don't know that there was enough for people to say, hey, we're going to win a national championship. But there was enough to say, like, hey, this team could be different. They've got a good season going. And knowing that uh, Big Ten play was about to start, it was, you know, this could be a good season. This could be a really good season. And Michigan had the makings. There were still questions about the offense, as uh, you would question any team that fumbled three times in eight snaps with, you know, the game on the line. That was the scary part. But the one thing that that uh, the offense doesn't get enough credit for, when Notre Dame gave them the ball back, they actually had to make a couple first downs, and they did. And that was sort of a real test because they easily could have punted the ball back to Notre Dame with two minutes left in the game. And who knows what might have happened, but they didn't. And that would be you know, another sign that uh, this wasn't the world's greatest offense at Michigan, but it seemed to always get the job done. After the break, we will say goodbye to non-conference play and say hello to the Big Ten. This is Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. Welcome back to Road to the Victors the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. For the first time, Michigan has passed the first of many in-game tests that they would face in the 97 season. These moments would prove vital down the road, but next week it would be the first time they actually go on the road in Big Ten play. However, the comeback over Notre Dame didn't do much for the Wolverines in the polls. Teams ahead of them stayed the course, winning games, meaning it was going to take a bit longer to see a shakeup in the polls. How long? Just a few more weeks. Up next for the Wolverines, it is the Big Ten opener at Indiana. Before we go, our guest has been Gene Myers. Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford are the executive producers of this podcast. Carrie Jr. II provides technical support. Peter Batia 
is the editor of the Detroit Free Press. All game sound was provided by the Michigan Radio Network. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Road to the Victors on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming app of choice. Find us at freep.com slash podcast. Please subscribe, leave a rating, and tell your friends about us. It really does help. For more information on the 1997 Michigan team, pre-order the book, Hail Yes, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines at freep.com. I'm Andrew Hammond, and we'll see you next week.